Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of February 18, 2024. For over 100 years, Hadley has been providing services to anyone with a visual impairment, their families, and professionals supporting them. Hadley, spelled H-A-D-L-E-Y, offers help online, on the phone, and through the mail. They provide workshops, audio podcasts, and discussion groups. Hadley has announced that they are changing their web and email addresses from hadley.edu to hadleyhelps.org. This will better reflect their expanded scope of offerings. HadleyHelps.org web address is already working. If you mistakenly type in Hadley.edu, you will be automatically redirected to their new site, and the emails will be forwarded accordingly. These redirects are temporary, so update bookmarks to the new address. Please call Hadley's help desk at 800 323-4238 for additional information. The Braille Forum is the magazine published by the American Council of the Blind. For the past several years, the forum has been available by email every month and in hard copy, Braille, large print, and NLS audio cartridge every other month. Beginning immediately, the forum will be published 10 times a year. Every issue will be available to members in all formats, Braille, large print, and NLS audio cartridge and email. Request your forum in your preferred format by calling the KCB office at 502-895-4598. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind had a meeting on Sunday, February 4 in Bowling Green, and it elected new officers at the meeting. The officers are President Teresa Eskew from Franklin, Kentucky, Vice President Lisa McKinley from Bowling Green, Secretary Diane Oliver from Bowling Green, and Treasurer Jim Thune also from Bowling Green. Many thanks to outgoing President Richard Lindsay for his leadership and a job well done. SCKCB invites everyone to its Wednesday afternoon social hour each week from 2 to 3 p.m. Central, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern on its Zoom line. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 763-689-4411. The February book selection for the Tri-State Library users is Guiding Emily, by Barbara Hensky. We are discussing that book as part of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Page Turners on February 23. And you are also invited to share other books that you read that evening. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout is from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. on the Zoom line. Page Turners will be the first part of the activity, and Tech Talk will take place during the second hour. All are invited. 
The KCV Zoom line is 669-900-6833, and the code is 862-9889-6972. Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana invites you to participate in its next Zoom call on February 26th at 7 p.m. A representative from Hooves and Paws will be on hand to talk to us about their product line for dogs and horses. The call is on the KCB Zoom line, 669-900-6833. The code is 862-9889-6972. Claire Stanley recently joined the ACB staff as the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. If her name sounds a little familiar to you, if her name sounds a little familiar to you, that's because she previously worked for ACB on advocacy issues. Claire joins us on page two to explain our legislative seminar imperatives for 2024. We will also explain how every KCB member can participate in the leadership training on March 3 and the advocacy training on March 4. Be sure to listen so you don't miss the registration deadline. It's membership time in ACB, and on last week's Sound Prince, we introduced you to ACB Diabetics and to the Braille Revival League, two ACB Special Interest Affiliates of interest to many Kentuckians. This week, we continue to showcase the different ways you can be part of ACB. KCB has nine chapters including our five regional chapters in eastern Kentucky, the Jackson Hazard area, Owensboro, Bowling Green, Covington, and Louisville. This week on page three, Patty Cox, president of the Council of Citizens with Low Vision, introduces you to the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision. Terry Turlaw, president of Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana, and Joey Couch, president of the KCB Next Generation, give you a look at our chapters for guide dog users and for members under 40. For a long time, there has been a bug in the ACB Media Alexa skill that has not allowed you to switch directly from one ACB Media channel to another. We are pleased to report that this bug has now been resolved. Now, if you wish to play a particular media channel, and ACB Media has 10 of them, you can simply say, Alexa, ask ACB Media to play Channel 1, or ask ACB Media to play Channel 5. If you want to go directly from one channel to another, just repeat your statement, and you will find that you're at the new channel. If you have any questions, you can give us a call at 502-895-4598. Page 2. With me on the Zoom line this morning is Claire Stanley. Claire is the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for ACB. She's based in the Virginia office. And if you're thinking, oh, I think I know that name, Claire has worked for ACB before 
and um, she is back with us. Welcome, Claire, to Soundprints. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Claire, we probably have some listeners that maybe don't remember uh, when you were with ACB before, maybe are new to ACB since then. So would you take a few minutes to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about you and your background, and uh, and then we'll talk about the D.C. conference coming up. Sure. Um, well, hello, listeners. Um, like Carla said, my name is Claire Stanley. I'm based here in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, and, yes, if I sound familiar, it's because I previously worked at ACB National. Um, I used to be the um, advocacy and outreach specialist. Um, when I first started working at ACB many moons ago, I worked with Tony Stevens um, as well as Clark Rockwell. Um, that I left for a few years, I was working for the National Disability Rights Network, which is the membership organization for the protection and advocacy agencies. If you don't know what the protection and advocacy agencies are in your state, go look them up. They're really important. Um, but I was there for a few years, um, and now I'm back um, as the new director of advocacy and governmental affairs. Um, I love this work. I graduated from law school um, almost nine years ago and have been basically in the disability advocacy space since then um, and even prior to that. And I love the work we do, and I'm excited excited to be here. Good. We're, we're glad that you're back, and we know that you're going to do great things in that position. Um, one thing for sure, when you're working in that area, you have to be a patient person <laughs> because <laughs> sometimes the advocacy on um, legislation and things can just seem to take forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you you know, we have a success come along and you think, oh, it was all worth it. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of that, coming up, uh, the 1st of March, March 2 through March 5, is the ACB DC Leadership Conference and Advocacy Training Legislative. We call it, we've called it different names over the years. Tell us about the imperatives, the legislative imperatives that we're going to be talking about this time and how people, um, how people at home as well as people who go to the conference are going to be able to help out uh, with working on this legislation. Absolutely. Um, so we have several imperatives this year, um, and just as kind of a precursor, um, Slotha and myself, Slotha, who's the advocacy and outreach specialist, we're putting on community calls to go over all four imperatives. Um, the first one started on uh, February 12th, and then there's one kind of two days a week for the, the those two weeks. And um, we're there to talk through them a little bit and give more opportunity for Q&A. And then, of course, we'll go over them on March 4th, which is the Legislative Seminar Day um, that Carla mentioned. Um, And then, of course, we have resources online at acb.org that you can read through them. Um, So there's a lot of ways you can learn about them. So we want to keep people um, informed in many different capacities. Um, So I can just jump in. Um, There are there were initially four imperatives, but me and Dan and Slotha kind of giggle. We've now taken on what I'm calling the 4.5 imperative because another issue came up. Um, A lot of people will say, hmm, a lot of these sound really familiar, and that's 
because they are. A lot of them have been introduced in past congressional sessions, and ACB has taken them um, on as imperative. And that's because exactly what Carla was just saying. Things move slowly in Washington, D.C. and on Capitol Hill. That's okay. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, and we're not going to stop working on them because these issues are just too important to our community. And so sometimes you just have to play that legislative game and, you know, continue to pound the pavement for multiple congressional sessions. Um, so I can just jump in with number one if you want, Carla. Sure. Go right ahead. Awesome. So one of the first imperatives is the website and software applications accessibility bill. Um, this is all about advocating for the accessibility of um, websites and applications. I'm sure everybody is nodding at home right now. Those of us in the blind and low vision community know that the way that many websites are coded um, is often inaccessible with our assistive tech, things like JAWS, et cetera. And as a result, we can't access a lot of websites, whether they be, um, you know, local and state government websites, whether they be big businesses like commercial entities. Uh, we just face so many different um, obstacles to accessing websites, which is frustrating. We saw during COVID, for instance, when things went all online that we couldn't access the same services as other people. Um, so this bill is calling um, for more um, responsibility to be held on these businesses and for more uh, liability to be held for the original creators. Now, a lot of you who know the ADA are probably saying, wait a second, aren't they already supposed to do this under the Americans with Disabilities Act? Yes, they are. Um, but despite that, we have still seen um, great failure in this capacity. Um, so this particular bill is calling for the development of guidelines by the applicable um, federal agencies. And again, some really great provisions to hold kind of the initial um, designers of the specific website liable, because a lot of times a third party might use that particular website. So the one being blamed for inaccessibility, although they're still responsible for making sure their website is accessible, might not be the original creator. And so we want kind of the, the buck to stop with the original creator. Um, yeah, so that's our first bill, and it's, I think, important to our whole community because we know we do everything online. Right. And, and so many things change when it comes to the web. So many things change quickly or um, there may be, you know, new new practices, um, new things that, that come out that, that kind of become popular. And mm -hmm. so, you know, when the ADA passed, that was 33 mm -hmm. years ago. It was, there was, that was a whole different area than today. So, exactly. And to comment on that, one component that we have in the language of this bill is what we're kind of defining as an evergreen um, catch-all. And it, it has language that says, as technology advances, we have to continue to make sure that those things are accessible. Because like you just said, in 1990, when the ADA was passed, we had no idea what websites would look like. Um, but now that we have a, a better understanding of the constant evolution of technology, we have an evergreen provision in this bill that says, as things advance, let's make sure they continue to be accessible. Right. right. Okay, so our, our next imperative. Mm -hmm. um, the next one I'll talk about is the CVPA. Um, this has to do with uh, making um, 
videos and things like that accessible. Um, the big provision that we talk about is audio description um, for our community for obvious reasons, but there are some services under the CVTA that have to do with captioning for the deaf and hard of hearing community and a few services for the deafblind community. Um, but for obvious reasons, I'll focus primarily on audio description. Um, so many of our ACD members are familiar with the CVAA um, that was passed over a decade ago. ACD played a great role in getting the CVAA passed, and that had to do with requiring major broadcast stations to provide um, a set percentage of time during prime time of audio-described content. Of course, at the time, we were elated. It was huge. It made all the difference. But now, over 10-plus years later, we're seeing that one, it's just not keeping up with what we would want. It was great at the time, but there's still just such a small fraction of content that's audio described. And two, a lot of us know that broadcasting stations just aren't being used the same anymore, right? People are cutting the cable. They're not using cable. They're using Hulu and the 20 million other different services that are out there. Um, so this bill is really trying to builds upon the fact that even though the CVAA was wonderful, kind of like we were just talking about with the website bill, things change so quickly. And so this bill is trying to um, accommodate new things like the Hulus, et cetera, of the world um, to make sure that we're getting the content audio described in that way and also making it easier for you to find the audio description and to turn on um, the, the audio description when you're on these services. Um, and I believe it also has, again, that evergreen provision because kind of learning from the fact that the CVAA was wonderful, but again, technology and online services and cable, et cetera, they are just changing so quickly these days. Um, and we have some great allyship with the deaf and hard of hearing community on this bill. Well, it's, it's a, another very good example of how, you know, you get something passed, you get something done. And, and you know, in today's world with the changing technology and so on mm -hmm. and the huge um, expansion of, of services um, that, as you say, are not even um, part of what used to be TV, exactly. uh, that we really need to have provisions that will cover all of those areas. So when you read about these and you think, well, they were talking about this. I thought we got this done. <laughs> well, we did. <laughs> you know, Claire, um, I I remember being at a legislative seminar and we're sitting in that room and we're talking about it and um, and Eric, uh, I think, if Eric was um, in advocacy at the time. Mm -hmm. and, yep. um, and, he got, and he got word, you know, that this, uh, was really it it had suddenly grown legs and was getting on the move and there we were and it was such a you, you know you don't usually have that happen while you're just sitting there in the yeah in the room and and when it does it's like oh let's get up and go over there let's go get them you know yeah I mean, it's, it's really energizing when that happens absolutely absolutely yeah well, so that ought to be a really good piece of legislation that virtually anyone can talk about, even if it's Absolutely. a person like And that's just such a great plug that you were just saying, Carla, that 
when you're talking to the staffers and the congressional offices, share your personal stories. Of course, we want to talk about, you know, the the background of these bills, but it's so much more important that you guys give your own personal lived experiences as to why we want these bills passed. You could give that very story story that, you know, hey, when the um, Olympics were audio described, it just made it that much more accessible, so much more enjoyable, <clears throat> things like that. When you're talking about the website accessibility bill, you can talk about, you know, the time you needed to go online to make a purchase or a school, you know, assignment. So when you're talking, whether you're doing them in-person visits or Zoom visits, really giving your own personal anecdotes to why these are important. Uh, the legislative imperatives three and four, um, I guess they're kind of related because um, they have to do with medical things, Medicare, whatever, and that touches so many of us. So mm-hmm. tell us about tell us about those. Absolutely. Um, so the first one has to do with medical devices, and we live in a world now in 2024 and onward where medical providers are sending us home with more and more devices to um, either diagnose or treat or monitor our health independently. So things like um, glucose monitors, um, blood pressure cuffs, heart monitors, you name it. Um, You can now receive chemotherapy treatment at home. Um, But unfortunately, a huge percentage of the time, if not all the time, these devices are not accessible for people who are blind, low vision, or deafblind. You know, they have touch screens. They don't have um, auditory output. They're, the print is very small. Just all kinds of access problems. And again, in a world where we want to be independent and be able to manage your own health, um, it's so imperative that we um, advocate for this accessibility. Um, so it's a bill that will call for um, these providers to um, br- um, provide um, any of these treatment systems or diagnostic treatments or whatever it might be to make sure that these are accessible for people who are blind, low vision, or deafblind. Um, again, so important to to just the everyday health of our community. And actually, the National um, Federation of the Blind, um, it put out the exact same imperative this year for their Hill Day. So it just shows that there's the same, you know, issues being discussed and advocacy being done in the whole blind community because it's just too important for our health. Um, and then I can jump into the second health-related one, and many of you who have been around ACV for a while are going to say, hey, that sounds really familiar. Well, it is, and that's because, again, like Carla was saying, legislation takes a long time to pass, um, but we're not going to start stop advocating because these issues are just too important. And so the next one has to do with the Medicare and Medicaid um, vision provider legislation. So there's something that we often refer to as the eyeglass exclusion, and this means that if you receive Medicare or Medicaid, they do not cover uh, that insurance program. Those insurance programs do not cover anything with lenses, so most traditionally eyeglasses. Um, But it can be anything else. So for our low vision community, it can be handheld magnifiers. Um, It can be more advanced, you know, the, the cool toys, as they call them these days, that are electronic. But anything that has a lens is not covered by Medicare or Medicaid, um, which is really disappointing. Um, it obviously can impact our whole community if you're receiving Medicare or Medicaid. But I often think of um, the 
older population, people who are losing their vision as a result of age, um, who are most often receiving Medicare, and we want to keep them independent. You know, this is the first time they might be experiencing vision loss. And having the basic equipment you need to be independent, to read your medicine bottles, things like that, could literally make the difference between remaining at your home independently or being forced into something like a nursing home. And yet, Medicare and Medicaid don't cover them. And that's that's just unbelievable to me. Um, So these bills are advocating for these to be covered by Medicare and Medicaid. Um, Now, one distinction to be made is that the Senate bill introduced by Casey includes both Medicare and Medicaid. On the House side introduced by Doggett, it does not include Medicaid, um, just Medicare. We hope that that will be all, you know, fixed, um, sorted out as they go through the the process of editing. Um, But for those who are talking to the House of Representatives, um, of course, it's your own decision, but I'd encourage people to to point out that Medicaid was left out on the House side. These things are really, really significant for so many people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's also kind of an example of how sometimes some things can kind of begin to take direction from the legislation. You don't always have to get things, have to get something passed as a bill uh, in order for it to begin to have an impact in other ways. And I think this is one of those examples. I don't know how widespread it is, but in the health plan that my husband and I have, um, it does have some provision uh, where you can make a choice of using a small amount of coverage for things mm. like, um, you know, transportation or vision, some very nominal vision uh, things or hearing aid coverage or whatever. And and that's great, but A, it's not enough, mm-hmm. or B, it may not be applicable, it may not be in the mm-hmm. right area, but still it is some movement toward the provider or the insurance company recognizing that those things are important in today's world. Tell us about people getting registered for this and how they can participate. Let's see if we can. Um, we don't have long. Uh, deadline is coming up, um, what, February 23. So as you're listening to this, um, then you may find that you don't have a you know, have very long to get signed up, but it really is important. So um, tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So like Carla said, the last day to register is um, next Friday, so Friday the 23rd. Um, Unfortunately, if you want to come in person, the window to reserve a hotel room under the block um, payment has already closed. So hopefully everybody who's coming in person has already done that. Um, but registration ends the 23rd, so you can participate either in person or virtually. Um, and even if you're participating virtually, don't think, well, then I can't do a hill meeting. Nope, you can still do hill meetings virtually. In fact, I think that was one um, positive thing that came out of COVID. Um, all hill offices now have Zoom accounts, and they're more than willing to participate um, via conversation via Zoom. So I'd still encourage those of you 
who are participating virtually to set up Hill meetings. Um, if you need any help with setting up Hill meetings, do not hesitate to reach out to Swatha or myself. We're happy to help. We especially encourage you to do um, a quick search to see if your members or senators are on the applicable committees for the imperatives we talked about because they have a little bit more, um, you know, in into these um, committees working on the bill. Swatha put together a wonderful spreadsheet that you can look that up, or you can just do a good old-fashioned Google, and it'll pop up as well. Um, if you guys can let us know ahead of time who you're meeting with, that would be helpful because Swatha and I are trying to collect that data. And then if there are any, so to speak, gaps in offices that we think need to be filled, we want to go ahead and set those up ourselves. And if you're coming in person and you'd like to be the um, people who volunteer to fill those gaps, also let us know. And then if you're coming in person, we also are trying to line up a group of sighted guide volunteers because we know that those offices um, are pretty confusing, so we're happy to help with that. Um, but again, we just need you to reach out to us with any or all of that information. And you can always email us at advocacy at acb.org. Okay, and if you are a member of the Kentucky Council of the Blind, we will assist you in participating in this conference in the Leadership Day and the Advocacy Day. And, of course, you can always listen to the ACB board meeting, too. Um, registration for the virtual conference is $25, and it has to be done by February 23. But if you are a member of the Kentucky Council of Blind, KCB will pay that fee for you. So just give us a call at 502-895-4598, 502-895-4598, and let us know that you would like for us to add you to our list of uh, registrants for the uh, virtual DC leadership conference. Claire, we really appreciate you talking with us today. We're glad you're back at ACB as the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, and we really are looking forward to um, to successful steps toward um, achieving. Uh, these goals and others as they come up during the year and in the future. Well, thank you for this opportunity to speak with you guys, and we hope to see many of you in person in attending virtually. We're excited to have all of you from Kentucky and your surrounding states. Page three. So we thought that tonight might be a good time to talk about the many different ways that you can belong to ACB. We're going to just kind of spotlight some affiliates. KCB has four special interest affiliates among our chapters that are not only affiliated with ACB, but also are chapters of some of the special interest groups uh, in ACB. Those are the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana, the um, Tri-State Library Users, that's a chapter of Library Users of America, the um, KCB Next Generation, that is part of ACB Next Generation, KCCLV, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, that's a chapter of um, the Council of Citizens with Low Vision, CCLVI. 
And then there are a number of affiliates in ACB that we don't have chapters in them, but sometimes they may or may not have a chapter structure. But but we have a lot of ACB people who belong to them. And some of those are um, ACB families and some others as well. Basically tonight we'll be spending a, some time highlighting our special interest chapter. Now the way the membership structure works in our chapters is that if you belong to one of the chapters in KCB, you must, first of all, be a member of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. If you're a life member, then you don't pay those KCB dues every year, but you still pay dues to the special interest affiliate. Now let's go to a couple of groups that are our chapters, and um, I see that uh, Patty Cox is here. Let's do a, an about face. We, we've talked about Braille. Now let's talk about low vision. So, Patty, tell us a little bit about CCLVI and, in turn, uh, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision. Hello. CCLVI is an international organization. It, we are here to support, to provide support, resources, education, and advocacy for those who are impacted by low vision and uh, visual impairments. Um, CCLVI has a lot of programs um, that are um, very um, that that are good for everybody. Um, you might know somebody or have a family member that has a visual impairment um, or a friend. You could, uh, you know, and and we're here to help support people in their everyday lives so that they can live their lives independently with low vision. Um, Kentucky has a chapter of CCLVI, and um, some of the programs that CCLVI has, um, we do a, right now we're, we're in the middle of our scholarship program. Um, Fred Scheiger was a member of CCLVI, um, and he has provided scholarships for students who are either a freshman, an undergraduate, or um, a graduate student. And um, Fred passed away, and his wife has made sure that this program continues. And so, um, if you are going to college, um, or if you know somebody, please let them know that if they have low vision, that they can go to our website, which is cclvi.org or .info, and uh, look at the requirements for our scholarship program, and um, put in an application. Um, they receive $3,000 for a year. Um, that is broke up into two $1,500 um, awards. And the requirements are you've got to show your enrollment and you have to keep your grades up. 
um, we also have our scholarship winners uh, come to the ACB convention, and um, they they also take part in the time that ACB um, awards the scholarships. We also have another program that will start on March 16th, and that is our um, Samuel Janinski Carl Foley Magnification Award. And that is where we give away three iPads to individuals who have low vision. Um, we used to give away CCTVs uh, and other magnification um, devices. However, the price of those have really gone up, and companies used to um, donate those items to us. With technology getting a, a little more further along, the iPad is good for not only being like a CCTV using a magnification program, but people can also um, enlarge things like their emails. Um, if they want to look up something on the Internet, um, there are ways that you can uh, make it so that you can uh, see it in large print, have contrasting colors, so we give three of those out. Um, we will be taking applications March 16, and that goes through May 1st. Um, a couple other things that CCLVI is doing is we used to have Let's Talk Low Vision, and it is a, um, a Zoom call that used to be on Tuesday night, and we have moved that to our um, calls that we have for uh, the first Thursday night at 8 p.m. And uh, it could be uh, a speaker on certain devices. Um, we we have a lot of guests that come in. It's also going to be streamed, I think, on Media One. I'm not for sure, but it could be Media Eight. Um, so that change has been made as of this month. So every first Thursday, there is Let's Talk Low Vision. Um, the second and fourth Thursdays of the month, we have a game night. We play anything from Family Feud uh, to Five Seconds to uh, a true or false game. Um, so we have many games that we play, and I am your MC for that. Um, it's fun. So if you would like to come to that, um, it's also on the community list, so you can get it from there. It's the um, second and fourth Monday, not Thursday. No, that's true. It is the Monday. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> it's Monday. <laughs> so we've made some changes, so I'm, I'm trying to get them right. You have. You've confused me. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, on the first Monday, it will be a topic-driven um call, but on the third Monday of the month, we have a peer support group, and um, Zelda Gavard and Tom Lelos um, are the facilitators, and 
Um, because I'm on a board meeting, I don't get to go to it, but um, I hear it is an excellent peer support group. Um, and then we do have a book club. It's the third Thursday. It's Thank you. It's the third Thursday. Everything just changed, and it's not updated yet. Um, it is the third Thursday of the month. It's a book club. We announce it um, at, at, our, at all of our calls. Um, we announce what the book is. Um, so if you'd like to join, if you don't read but you want to hear about books and you haven't heard enough about books from from Tri-State, then you can come to um, our book club. Fridays we have a call at 11 o'clock, and it's a coffee hour, and that is changing to um, that used to be an open chat. Um and now it's going to have more, um, be more topic driven. It, we might have some guests speak, um, but it will, the information will be out on community. And if you'd like to become a member, our dues are $15. Um, you can be a member through KCCLV, which is one of the, it is the largest group. Um, in CCLVI right now, um, we're taking membership, so um, it, it's $15 for KCB, KCCLV, and you can either pay your dues through KCB, which would be great, or you can go to um, our website, and if you have trouble there, because we are under um, doing some changes on the website, you can send an email to webmaster at gmail.com, and we will have our membership chair, which is Zelda Gephard, um, give you a call and take your money. This is also our 45th year of, of being um, an affiliate of ACB. And so we are kicking off our 45th year and our celebration of 45 years with an auction. And it's going to be on April 5th on 4-5. And um, that ought to be, we will have 45 items and that will be a, um, a, a good night of fun and come and Spend your money and get some good items. We are also doing a couple of different things that we've that we just started um, with with the convention this summer. Um, first of all, our business meeting is going to be this Saturday before the convention. It is um, isn't that two o'clock? Yeah. Two, two okay. Yeah. Is it two o'clock? Then on. Saturday, and that's all on Zoom. And then sat, the first Saturday of the convention, we are having a dance. We had one last year, but this year, our theme this year is 45 years. So we are going to have people dress up if they want. You don't have to. Um, there is a contest for costumes, but these. The dress wear for that is 
70s. So bring your bell bottoms and bring your big Afro wigs and and guys bring your thick black mustaches and come and dance the night away with us. And that'll be from 8 to 12. We are going to have two other sessions that um, we are working on right now. And I don't want to announce what they are going to be because we are not 100% sure. But on Wednesday night of the convention, um, if you go, come and join us for game night. We are probably going to be um, playing Family Feud so you can get a group together. We will have definites about that in our other two um, sessions before March 15th. Patty, you haven't talked about uh, the KCCLV's, um, your focus on low vision coming up. Oh, yeah. On February 24th, from 10 to 2, we're going to have a low vision support group. We will be talking about um, some different devices. We will also talk about um, things that small things that people might need um, to make their everyday a little bit better to live with low vision. Um, there might be a few things about the kitchen. Um, eventually we'll be talking about probably everything. Um, maybe some training with the iPhone or the Android. And then we are going to have a light lunch in between. And so we would hope that Anybody who is coming would please sign up so we have a sandwich for you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think um, coming from the printing house, uh, th that activity is in person, and it will be at UCHM. Um, um, Phil Hodge is coming from the printing house with some items to show, things that he did not uh, that weren't at the convention, so this won't just be a repeat. We'll come to see what he's got. Um, and then uh, I think uh, uh, Restoria is going to be talking about the Android phone, and uh, we'll be doing some some things on the Android and the iPhone, depending on who's there and what phones they want to talk about. And um, so, and then some things. Some, uh, of course, times for everybody to share some some ideas and some tips. So it's going to be a good thing. Be sure and call and let us know um, if you're coming. There is one more thing. We do have a newsletter that comes out in the even-numbered months. It is Vision Access. In that, you can get we, – we do that electronically, or you can get a large print copy. It will – soon be by audio off, um, off of our website, but it has some neat little stories in it, um, how to do stuff, little, little tips. Um, we had one that was all on duct tape. It was amazing. Um, so that is one thing that as a member that, that you get a copy of. Thank you, Patty. Next up. Um, Terry is here, and she's the president of Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana, and they just did a really 
good program last month. They had Lucas Frank. He's a 40-year veteran of CNI and a uh, certified O&M instructor and uh, has had a lot yeah, on well, traffic. He was on traffic. And I do have a link which I have shared with a number of lists. GDUKI is for anybody who has any kind of interest or any kind of question about mobility with a guide dog. And so many of us have guide dogs. Many of us don't. And um, we have our meetings on the fourth Monday of the month at 7 p.m. on what we call the um, th- this on this channel, this KCB Zoom one, this one that we're on now. Um, for about half of our meetings, we have topic our topical. Um, I believe that we are going to have a producer of leather equipment for guide dogs and also harness like horse gear called some, and I'm not, I don't, I, I'm not going to give you the, the full name because I don't, I always tend to forget if it's hooves and paws. And so that's kind of of interest to us because they produce some interesting things. Um, we have topics like uh, as, as the one with Lucas Frank on street crossings and things to be aware of in, in doing that. We have um, topics also that do not have precise presenters, but there are a number of really important topics going on in the, in the area of guide dogs right now with access. Um, the rideshare companies, even though they, they state that they do not discriminate against guide dog handlers or service animal handlers. Many of their drivers do discriminate, and there's a, we're doing a lot of work toward um, documenting that discrimination and sharing it with both the rideshare company and the Department of Justice. Um, the, the Department of Justice really needs to weigh in on this because it's very widespread. Um, we also are looking at regulations for flying with service animals, which have, ch- which have changed. Uh, rather than get into the specifics of those things, um, I can say that in addition to topical presentations about mobility and about guide dogs, we are also open to discuss questions that anybody might have about a dog, about working with a dog, about whether they might want to look more fully into getting a guide dog or even people who can see but who are interested in the guide dog movement. So um, you're welcome to come to our meetings whether or not you are a member of GDUKI, which by the way stands for Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana. Um, We really want you to come and um, we also um, encourage people to join if, if they find that they have a lasting interest in this issue. I'm very open to questions, and my email address is pretty easy. It's based on my name. It's T-E-R-R-I-E, T-E-R, Terry, and the first three letters of my last name at gmail.com, and you're welcome to email me. Thank you. 
Joey, would you like to talk to us about Next Generation? Joey is president of KCB Next Generation. Uh, Next Generation is, of course, a chapter for uh, folks uh, ages 18 to 40. Um, it's it's a group designed for uh, younger individuals uh, who wish to connect with others within that age demographic. Uh, we have uh, done dine-outs, have been, went to the Bell or Mary Miller or whatever you want to call it uh, some years ago as well as the Bats game. We do a huddle call on the fourth Thursday of each month. Uh, about 8 o'clock, and we usually have a topic or, or a presenter or what have you to cover, um, you know, the particular topic for that month. Uh, just last month, we actually did a, um audio descriptive uh, type call, which uh, instead of dealing with over-the-air reception of audio description, it went more into how you would uh, access that through streaming services, since there are so many of them these days. And, uh, I mean, we've done holiday trivia. We've done uh, mental health uh, types of uh, workshops that actually Debbie helped with uh, a while back. So, I mean, we sort of cover the gamut, as it were. So, uh, that pretty much uh, suits up the next generation chapter with what little bit of time we have. Remember that with KCCLV, GDUKI, and Next Generation, you can join those groups through uh, KCB. And when you join those groups, since they are chapters of KCB, those are the ones that you need to be a member of KCB in order to participate. If you're already a KCB member, then you don't have to pay any additional dues other than the chapter dues. If you are not a member of KCB or you are a one-year member and haven't already paid your 2024 dues, then you would need to pay the $8 KCB dues at the same time. And if you have any questions about that, just give us a phone call, 502-895-4598. Okay, well, we're about out of time. Thanks to everybody for coming and sharing tonight about the groups. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.
Yeah.